UK Motor Talk. Hello chaps, hope you get this message in time. Sorry I can't be with you tonight. You all know it's a bit blurry out there. Well, unfortunately the uh, tree across the road has just landed across my drive, so I can't get the car out. Uh, so I'm having an evening of revving chainsaws, so um, small two-strokes instead of bigger four-strokes. For those of you that have just joined us, and by just joined us, this is the beginning of the podcast, so I would expect nothing less, but I mean in sort of greater, grander terms, just joined us, I'm Mike, and that's Jim. Hello, welcome. This podcast is entitled... I'm sorry, Graham couldn't come because he's well, unable to make that it. This, this podcast is entitled. Does that make it a millennial or a snowflake? Does it? Uh, indeed, which brings us neatly on. There we go. So you said well for that. Well, that's that's superb. Was last time we were, I say here, there, wherever we are, next to this one in your iPod. Last time out. Last time out. Like there it. We, we were talking about the snow because we were expecting the snow to happen, and all that we heard about for some time is the snow. So to give you a rest, we're going to talk about that now. Although it doesn't really snow so much this side of the downs, there are more snowflakes on the internet than there are on the ground. It did still snow enough that uh, I dealt with the problem by going to the pub and then left the pub in a car. It was my own car. I take it you were drinking soft drinks? Soft drinks only, yes. And And a delicious steak, juicy steak, very nice. Yep, with some onion rings, as it goes. And then left in the snow... And drove home like a normal person. Well, I was a bit worried. We'd spoken last time about how my car would cope with the snow, being rear-wheel drive and run flat tyres, etc. Mm-hmm. And torquey, because it's hybrid. And it was fine. Slow down, drive sensibly. Be smooth. You're OK. And yeah. that's it. So, top consumer advice for you. If you're going to go out there in the snow, go to the pub. Exactly. Um, well, that's uh, always good advice. It is good advice, yeah. And if you are drinking, get someone else to drive. Uh, who is presumably not drinking. That's probably sound legal advice rather than top advice. I think it's good advice anyway, isn't it? Things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. I have spent my entire time building um, from about seven, eight to 30 in the morning to about 7 at night, which has really been enjoyed by neighbours. And, of course, punishing the Volvo by stuffing it full of yet more broken bits of things and stuff with nails hanging out of it. I need to clean out my garage any minute now, so I might need to borrow that again, if that's all right. I think you could clean out your entire garage by just driving at it through at speed. You could go, <laughs> if you could go from the back to the front, you could collect everything, just go with the tailgate open. Did I say that I'd reverse into my garage wall, actually, on that note? No. In the Volvo, um, I thought would be a problem, because I heard a bit of a crack noise. It was a crack noise, because it hit the bumper, it cracked the brick... And the bumper doesn't have a scratch on it. Excellent. I I really don't understand this. So now I've got to repoint and replace some of the bricks because I've hit them with the car and the car is fine. That's fairly standard, I think. That's a testament to the build quality. Ridiculous. Got the fist MOT, so that was all done. We're safe and legal and back on the road. Repaired all the things that were previously a problem and we are away and ready to go out again, I take it. I think so, yeah. So uh, what should we do? Have a look at booking something... Later on this month. I think that sounds like a good idea. And maybe you can join us too. Excellent. Um, it's going to sound a bit like this. Oh, Actually, yeah, shall we? Uh, we could try and do a uh, audio commentary lap, couldn't we? We could. <laughs> just, just to enhance things a little bit. Yes, it's going to sound... Oh, just to go around the corner. I'm sideways again. 
That'll be absolutely fine. St- stay tuned in uh, in the next episode or two for a UK Motor Talks track guide. It's what's going to happen is about thirty seconds of usable audio that isn't just a swearing and saying the word exactly, and a bit there'll be a bit of tire squeal in the background as well, and just a bit of squeal. Full stop. Because we we tried to do this before, if you remember, when we were doing stunt driving, and I was sat in the back recording. And a friend of ours, Glenn, was driving. And he threw the car around with so much aggression that basically I just smacked my head on the C-pillar. Well, I had a, a similar thing. I was um, at a, uh, a Ford course, a Ford day out, and it was not long after we'd graduated. So it was a, a, a present. One of the Ford College people arranged for me to be a passenger in Paul Swift's Focus RS when he was doing a, a stunt display at lunchtime. Uh, no, I did all right at this, didn't I? You didn't. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they'd arranged the stunt display for the lunch break anyway to keep everybody entertained. So I got to sit in the passenger seat, but I was expected to uh, to run a commentary on it. So I was handed the microphone as I got into the car, and uh, I managed to comment on the fact that the reversing camera still worked up to the point where he was bouncing off the rev limiter in reverse, and then it was just a lot of swearing, and that was about it. So I didn't do a very good job then, but. Of course, you always get thrown around and feel it a bit more being a passenger, don't you? As a driver, we, uh, we'll we we'll give it a go and we'll, we'll see how we get on. If we get anything usable, then uh, stay tuned for that. Nothing is going to be broadcastable. Absolutely no- nothing is going to be usable at all. Drop us a, uh, a tweet, a, uh, a letter, if you uh, fancy writing us a letter and where you'd like to see us go in the country. As I say, we'll probably end up at Brands Hatch as it's our local track and we know it well. Yes, PO Box, UK Motor Talk, what have you. And to be honest... What we'd like to do is remove the passenger seat from the car. It might be an idea for us both to go out together. I'll go in the passenger seat, and depending on Jim's driving, there might actually be a running commentary, <laughs> if you understand. I've just booed! No dunks, it's fabric, the seat. It's not um, full leather, so it's not white clean. We've got rid oh, of the yes. full leather. No, no, but the full leather... Well, you, could, you could wear those special pants again. Oh, perforated leather is a, is a problem, I mm. have to say. I, I had basically the same car that we've got now many, many years ago, and I went out on a staff Christmas do, and if you're eating your lunch, dinner, or otherwise of a queasy nature, skip forward all of about, how long does my, how long do my anecdotes normally last? A minute, two minutes? About that. Next episode. Next episode, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you are of a queasy nature, skip forward about two minutes to the typical length of my anecdotes. There was a, a young kitty I'd taken home from the Christmas do, who might have been just about drinking age, and... He'd fallen asleep in the car, and I'd offered to take him home. And all of a sudden, he sort of burped, and I thought, oh, God, this can't be good. He's asleep at this point. And then full-on chunder. And it was ridiculous. Bear in mind, it was a Christmas dinner. There was turkey, there was carrots, and everything. There's always carrots. There's always carrots. Regardless of whether you eat carrots or not, they're always in there. Do you know what that is? It's your stomach lining. That's great. Hmm. Um, and it was in the air vents, it was round where the airbag goes, it was down the air vent in the back in front of the windscreen, it was in the door pocket, and he got out of the car and went, oh, I'm so sorry, Gates, because I really like you, I think you're a nice guy, I'm really <laughs> sorry, that's fine, just stand there, let me figure out what I'm going to do. So he took his, uh, his sick-covered coat off and then proceeded to scrub it into the leather, uh, so all the bits were going into the perforated leather. Oh, um, just I'd, throw the car away. Just set fire to it. Uh, yeah, uh, at that point, I drove back to his parents' house and managed to proceed to wake his parents up, his sister up, 
his brother-in-law to be up and hose-piped the inside of my car out on his driveway, <laughs> left the mats and everything there, whilst he went in, passed out in the toilet with just uh, this little puddle appearing under the door. It's perhaps one of the grossest things in my automotive driving career, and since that point, I've never driven anyone home after a Christmas party. No, I did a similar thing after just a random party, not a Christmas party. A friend of mine chucked, well, he was a friend, he wasn't after this. He, uh, yeah, threw up in the back of the car. And I thought I got most of it out in the evening, but the next day was the middle of summer because the next day was about 32 degrees. Mm. Um, and I uh, driven to, to college in the morning. It wasn't too bad in the morning, and then but being parked in the sun all day when I got it in the evening, oh dear, that that wasn't nice. It it needed more cleaning. I got it out eventually, but that took a long time. Sick car, bro. We've got a motoring Brexit-themed topic, which is uh, Nissan's announcement that they won't be building the X-Trail in this country after all, despite a, uh, was it an £80 million grant from the government? It's a secret. Alleged, alleged £80 million grant from the government mm. uh, to assist with such project, and they've now said they wouldn't, they're not going to do it. So I look at Nissan... And I think at least it's not Gloria Motor Company, because that was an, in- an incredible grant. Uh, and he just ran away. And then did sell a load of drugs and things. Uh, and that, that, I don't even need to say allegedly, because we know he did it, because he got So eventually, eventually he diversified and succeeded. It, it, maybe he found something that had a better profit margin than the motor industry. There's definitely a better profit margin <laughs> in drugs than there is in the motor industry. How satisfied are your customers, though? Do, do you think he does customer satisfaction index scores? I don't know what the retention is, I suppose. It's, it's up until a point and then they take too much. If they're your best customer two months running, they probably don't come back again. But loyalty must be good. It must be, yes. Going back to the Grand Tour segment that they did in Detroit, mm-hmm. just showing how quickly that whole area has declined or how quickly it did decline following mm-hmm. a bit of motor industry collapse. We don't have a massive motor construction industry in this country but it's significant enough that it will make a difference it's one of the biggest things that we physically still do but we don't physically do a lot that's that's still the worth point like 14 billion though isn't it yes yeah, yeah it's probably more than you think but it, it tends to be sort of localized and, and in dense pockets doesn't it so there's Sunderland there's Swindon um bits dotted around Essex with four Oxford that, Oxford for mini I don't Luton. think it'll be yeah, Luton. Yeah, so but that's not as busy it used to be. No, there's, there's. It's significant. Don't get me wrong, but but it's not the biggest industry that we have in this country by by a long stretch. But I, st- I still think it's going to make a big difference. But of course, where it will make a difference is in the local communities that rely on the motor industry. Compare it to other things, you know, Welsh mining, Newcastle shipbuilding, bits and pieces like that. It's... And then there's the knock-on effect that comes after, isn't there? So I mean, what, Wales is, is a really good example of this, and I spend a lot of time in Snowdonia because I've got good driving roads um, and also because I have family that live there. Um, I like the fact you mentioned the family second and the driving roads first. We have to drive on the roads to get to them. Exactly. And, yeah, the, the industry that's up there was mining. Um, slate mining in the north particularly uh, sort of around the Snowdonia area and it's beautiful but the local industry created a huge a huge amount of housing um, entire villages sprung up around the various different mines and then shops and bits and pieces takeaways, restaurants to go with it as soon as you remove that from an, from an area it, it can cause real problems with regards to the local economy and it, the local shops and 
everything else I've just mentioned obviously start to disappear. It makes me sad. Something else that irritates the hell out of me, why do they make drive-throughs so small? I was thinking about this earlier, probably because I decided I was hungry and I was thinking, after this, I need to go and get some food. Where shall I go? But when you go through something like a McDonald's drive-through, and it's a real problem if you go through the left-hand drive car because you have to go through backwards. I have done that before. Yeah, me too. I also like to ask them how they get in that tiny box. <laughs> <laughs> or I always wonder if you drive through and just say, I just want to use the toilet. Or can I have a... <laughs> have you ever walked through a drive-through? The one in, there's one down in Shoreham by Sea. And someone did try that and they wouldn't let them. Because they said, you know, you're not a car. And the normal restaurant shuts earlier. Mm. So they, <laughs> there's four of them, and they sort of sat down, and each one made various different noises and pretended to drive through. <laughs> <laughs> Did they get served? Yes. There we go. Yes. They made the, made the paper because they, um, someone on a bike went through and they refused to serve them. Push bike. Okay. We've just spent the last minute and a half staring at uh, each other. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um and thank you for sticking with us on this one. No, no different to normal, is it? Eddie all about it, because that was rubbish. I've, I want to know, is why do they make drive-throughs so difficult to get through, in terms of the width of the thing, without getting dangerously close to your wheels? Because I, I see a curved wheel as some sort of cardinal sin. Is it to make you slow down and drive more carefully? Well, you can't go any slower. There's someone in front of you. Because they're ordering for their 27 children. <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, but it will kind of, it seems counterintuitive to me. If you pay more attention to not curving your wheels, are you looking straight in front of you? No. Probably not. Definitely not. Or do people just not really care about the wheels and they're happy to bump through? Yeah, it's probably only us, isn't it? I, I, answers on a, do they still do postcards? Yes. Answers on a postcard from the town that you're from. You can order postcards online these days. And they yeah. send them direct. Yes. Could, maybe I could get a postcard of my face. Well, I don't want to write it, because I already know what my own opinion is. I want to know what your opinion is on this. Are we alone in really, really caring about alloy wheels? Because I think that's a real problem. And they're expensive. They are expensive. They are, but not that cheap to refurb. Not that expensive to refurb. Both of those things. Yeah. Not cheap or expensive to, uh, to refurb, depending on what you've got. Plus, everything now comes with diamond cut wheels. And yes, why? that is a problem. And why? two different colours as well. It would be why? black, painted black with a diamond cut or polished face. That would be very expensive. What is the obsession with this? Because I saw a Honda Jazz the other day that had 14-inch <laughs> diamond cut wheels. Oof. What are we talking about? Drive-throughs? Yes. Why they make them so narrow? Uh, slow you down. Probably lack of space, I would say, because they've got to squeeze a car park and a building into the area as well. They've got space for those giant bins that look like some of the... The, uh, and a man with an agog face, his mouth wide open, so you can throw things in them. Yeah, I like the ones because on the way out of the drive-through, they have another one a few yards down the road, always with yes. a target in the back of it. So the trick is always to go as quick as possible and still yes. get your rubbish in the bin. What really gets me are the absolute nobbers who disappear off down a road, country lane, or whatever, finish their McDonald's or other fast food drive-through thing. And launch it out the window. 
that really, really irritates me. And I quite enjoy watching the vigilante people that go past motorbikes, things. Oh yeah, the, yeah, throw catch it back. up and then throw it back. But especially if it's a half full milkshake or drink yes. or something like that. That's, that's satisfying. Quite good. Are you fastidiously tidy enough that you would refuse to eat a drive-through in your car? Uh, no, I would, but very, very, very carefully. Would you? Yes. I, I I'm not sure I'd let you eat to drive through in my car, knowing how clumsy you are. Yes, because I'm not. I'm not messy, but I am definitely clumsy. Yes. No two ways about it. I like the idea that you could possibly just fill up a cup holder with ketchup. Imagine you could drive along dunking a chip. See, the best vehicle we... for eating a drive-through in in the old days was the uh, the transit before the days of airbags and things like that. The middle of the steering wheel used to pop out, and it was a little table, a little tray. Did it? Yeah, genius idea. Did it? Yeah. How have I missed this? It was, I th- I'm fairly, it might have been pre-airbags, or it might have just popped out of the way, but older transits, yeah, just the middle of the steering wheel, popped out. I right. never knew this. Genius, genius idea. Every car should have had one. That's incredible. I'm really excited by this. I need to try and find out if you can still have such a thing. Hmm. I know you can buy steering wheel trays that go over the top for when you stopped. That's just depressing, isn't it? What would happen if you did have a table in the middle of your transit steering wheel and you went round a roundabout? Everything would fall off. Thank you. I thought this was brilliant. Now I think this is hopeless. And the other is you use it when you're stationary, of course. The other thing is, do you remember back in the 90s that glove boxes used to have useless cup holders on them? Yes. It was about, the, a, about a centimetre deep at the yes. most. Yeah. So the moment you cornered anywhere, it would fall over. But again, I think that was for, for sitting there at the drive-through when the car was stationary, eating in the car. It's just weird, isn't it? They always had a pen holder and then two cup holders, but the cup holders wouldn't be deep enough to stop anything from falling out, and there wouldn't be enough space below the dashboard to put anything tall in either. No. Um, changing subject, cars, theft, it's a problem, and... There's, I don't know if you've seen this thing that's been going around on um, Instagram, and it's about, I think they call them dingers or something, people that steal cars, and they're posting pictures up of themselves with their faces covered up on Instagram with their stolen cars, saying, I've just nicked this one tonight, I've just nicked this. It's ridiculous. That's a bit stupid, isn't it? Well, you think so, wouldn't you? Because they've got the registration numbers in them, yeah. or sometimes half a registration number, but just to, to be that brazen about it... Now... There has been a survey by the AA, and they like doing surveys. They do this kind of what they do. Yeah, they, they do surveys and they rescue people as the fourth or fifth emergency service. Because actually, the RNLI are the fourth emergency service, aren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, the, the Coast Guard are definitely the uh, the fourth. They definitely are around here because if you fall in the sea, you probably don't want the AA. I wouldn't call the AA for that. No, no, I'm going to say that. And it says that uh, members don't think much about car crime. It doesn't specify whether that's committing it. <laughs> or preventing it. Um, I'm guessing it's probably preventing it. Yeah, what did it say? One in four AA members don't think about it. Yeah. Do you think about... Are you thinking about it? Well, I mean, you're, we're thinking about it I'm, now. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now, definitely. But I'm not an AA member. Ooh. So. I, I don't... I can't say that I think about car security a lot, apart from the fact that I've looked at it in the past and thought about steering locks and all the rest of it because keyless cars get nicked. And you can get the little Faraday pouches that stop the signal boosters, which is what they're using. So actually, I, was, I, I do think about it, because when I spec'd up the car, I deliberately didn't select keyless entry for that very reason, because I'm quite happy to press a button to unlock or lock a car. Yes. I would occasionally, on older cars, or cars I've had in the past that had keyless entry, 
I'd use it now and again, but I'd always use the button to lock it walking away, so I'd only use it to half its potential. Mm. So I also was quite happy not to have keyless entry this time round mm. because it's a pain and you have to put the key into a, a little pocket jobby which has got a mesh in there to stop people from boosting the signal, in which case you might as well take the key out of your pocket because once you get in the car, it's got to go somewhere anyway and you end up either dropping it in the cup holder... Or into the pit of doom. In oh, between, into the, in between oh, the, uh, the centre console. Same place I always dropped my phone in your I, car. There was a growing trend to uh, towards break-ins or um, taking keys off the owners by force Yeah, a couple of years ago. That seems to have dropped off a bit. So actually, in a way, is, is it a good thing? If somebody's going to nick your car, yeah. just let them nick the car. It's a bit of metal. It's replaceable. It's insured, yeah. presumably. So it can be replaced or you can be financially put right again at least if they nick it from outside your home without bothering you so to speak is is that better yeah i mean do you want these people in your house definitely not no so here's the question so if you don't want to go for a system to stop them from being able to nick it and there are some good systems out there i quite like one called ghost where you have to press a, a, a certain sequence of buttons which you're choosing on the existing buttons in the car and then it allows you to go i think that's that's quite a, a clever system I like ones where it shuts down a mile down the road or when it gets to a certain speed or whatever. I think that's also quite clever. But I also think, actually, if it's a relatively new car, you could buy gap insurance or something similar. And then if it does get nicked, they refund back the money you paid for the car and you go and buy a brand new one. Hmm. Um, and you, you can have that when it's four years old, even. See, actually, I can see self-driving cars. Yes. They allow themselves to be nicked. But then they take over and simply drive the, themselves and their occupants to the nearest police station. I'm sure they have a Night Rider. Yes. It was definitely the plot one of the Night Rider episodes. That's spot I mean, my, my top tip with avoiding uh, car crime is, because um, again, lo- lots and lots and lots of thefts happen either with the key or with a, a signal boost or one of the two. But for the, the thefts with a key, quite typically it'll be out of a... A locker or somewhere like that. If you leave your, you know, bag in the gym, wherever, something like that, or in your mm-hmm. coat at work, and somebody's walking past, takes the opportunity, yeah. um, take your car. Invariably, you've got your house keys on your car keys as well, uh, so they're in your car. Ah, you're at work or you're at the gym, wherever you are. Ah, you'll be out. I'll go and rob your house. So they've got your car, your house keys. Mm-hmm. So they press home on the sat nav, and it takes them right to your front door. Don't set your home address as your house. Set it as your nearest police station. You never know, because if your car does get nicked, just phone the local police station and say, oh, just keep an eye out if this car happens to pull up outside. You never know. Yeah, but there's no police in the actual local police station anymore. There's just a phone. Well, that's so, true. So unless yeah. the criminal gets out and phones and says, is this your house? Yeah, it's, it's potluck. You never know. I saw one of those yellow phones the other day, and it said, in case of emergency, phone 999, and it had three buttons on there, numbered one to three. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, this is fantastic. Great. It doesn't tell you what the buttons one to three do, but presumably, when you pick the phone up, it gives you an option. You would hope so, yeah. Yeah, maybe one of them brings out the AA. It's about all those phones at the side of the motorway that you have to phone if you've broken that. Have you ever seen anyone actually use those? Not since, no. No, I haven't seen anyone use one of those. I kind of want to use one just to see what happens. Yeah, see, I'll never know if they work or not. No, I've still got the key for, do you remember, we're doing a whole AA thing here, aren't we? You know the AA boxes? Do you, do you, do you remember these? Oh, I forget that no, I'm Andrew's 50 years older than you. So uh, at the side of the road, there used to be basically a TARDIS. And inside the TARDIS was usually a barn door and a phone and a, a book, a map showing where you were and a book with some various different details. It's like a phone box. 
and you'd phone up the AA, tell them where you were on the map, and then they'll come out and rescue you and fix your car. And all the members had a key that was the same, so mm. quite a decent-sized key, so that only the members could get into the box. Or if you'd been a member and you kept your key, presumably you could. And You're very civilised. It is. And I had uh, one of these. I've had one of these keys since I was a kid, and I don't know why, but someone must have given me one, and I've kept it. And it's still on my keys for some unknown reason. <laughs> I, I, there's actually no use for it, but um, I say there's no use for it. I remember I went on a school trip as a kid, and the teacher was leading a... Then those days, presumably, you could have more than three children to an adult or something. So the whole class was walking along behind the teacher. Um, and the teacher turned around and I disappeared. We couldn't figure out where I'd gone. And I just opened the door to this uh, in a museum <laughs> to the AA box, got inside and shut the door. Happy days. Um, and even to this day, the one down in um, a motor museum, which I won't name, uh, you can still use the key, get in, and you're actually inside the box. Um, awkward if they use it for storage. Definitely. Because um, everything falls out. Uh, but I wouldn't do that, of course. Uh, no, never. But I, th- I think quite a brilliant idea. Of course, suddenly not needed because cars will tell you themselves where they are. And I remember driving, I think it was an XC90, and we did a test. And you press the button, I need, a certain, I need service. And the car, the, the lady said, yep, I know you're parked up at the moment. You're uh, not going over, but the engine's running. The window's open on the driver's side and the rear passenger door's open. Um, the car can scan itself for codes and submit it down and book itself in for service and everything else. So the technology now is, is crazy. In theory, um, the car can self-diagnose pre-order parts and soon enough it'll be able to drive itself in there. And you it, won't it, even know it. It'll just take itself off for a, a warranty booking and then return itself to where it was parked. Yes. And That's hot, convenient, isn't it? Hot off the press today, actually. They say that British cars will be licensed, autonomous cars will be licensed on the road in 2019, by the end of the year. Um, That's worryingly close, isn't it? Well, it is, considering the fact that well, we, we, we understand the motor industry is a complex and difficult place. We also understand that actually the systems that uh, fix the cars when they go wrong are not necessarily quite so complex, uh, or complex enough that they don't work properly or anything else. So actually, do you want that to happen or is all that's going to happen? It's decided it's got a fault and then 17 cars are going to turn up at a dealership into the back of each other. Probably. Hmm. Where's we got? Well, I'm at the moment. I'm I'm glum because there's no Formula One on. That's why I'm upset. I I usually have a lot to say about Formula One, as we know, but on this occasion, because there's nothing going on, there's not a lot to say. Well, there is actually. I don't know. We're what 30, 37, 38, 39 days away from the first Grand Prix, so. Very much looking forward to it, but slightly sad news, the Sauber name has disappeared and the Alfa Romeo name has taken its place permanently. I I like the idea of Alfa Romeo, I have to say, and I like Alfa Romeo's in general. Not massively surprised that the Sauber name disappeared either, considering... No, that's true, but it's, uh, it's still a bit sad. I, I hope they keep the, uh, the model designation, though, and start each car with the letter C, which was for uh, Peter Sauber's wife, Christine, which I thought that was quite sweet. That is a nice touch. I like it when you have these sort of... In information, you have that with uh, who else was it that used to name everything after his family and people he knew? Was it Colin Chapman? Because he named wasn't the Elise, was it? Was because like, he's got some weird it was, kids. It, it was, the names they kid Exige or Exige S even. I like that, the idea. Of was, Exige. was Exige S the younger one? Exige. <laughs> that's that's not a bad name. Exige Gates. Exige Gates. <laughs> that's not bad actually. That's got a ring to it. I haven't said to Amy about Elise, but I think I could probably get away with it. 
and explain after. Yeah. But then, can you imagine if she just had a breakdown every so many miles? Or leaked. <laughs> well, I don't really want either. Well, no, but babies do leak. They do? Yes. Um, I've had some exciting shopping over the last uh, the last couple of days. I'm making my shopping face now, which is a mix between a grimace and a smile because I don't really um, mix in this way. Um, and I discovered that car seats are unbelievably expensive. That's because they, uh, when they're setting the pricing strategy, the, the overall rule is, oh, it's kids. People will spend anything to keep their kids safe. And they're right. It's probably true. It's, it, and it's exactly right. But the, the seats that we ended up buying with the base that turned round and everything else and goes on top of a pram, I, I was thoroughly out of my depth here. The actual cost of the seats and bits and pieces was more than the price of a race seat. Yeah. Although you can get Recaro. Yes. Make child seats. So, of course, the only one I was ever going to buy was a Recaro. Mm. But I have since found out that OMP make child seats as well. Do they Much, actually? Yeah. Might have to have a look because for you can buy sort of baby, I say baby, not baby, but children race seats, which are quite cool. Yeah, definitely. I've never really done pram shopping and bits and pieces, but I went to uh, this place, which is near Surbiton, and I went into what was effectively a pram car showroom. Incredible. I, and I stood there and they said, what do you want? I said, I don't know. Okay, pram car showroom. So did they sell you fabric protection, fabric guard? They have all those as an option. <laughs> um, genuinely, more choices of fabric for the different and colours of frames and everything else than you get for a car. I mean, it's incredible. Because I looked at, you can actually match it to the car. You can't get Viper Stripes, sadly. But there oh. are people that do custom grips and everything else. You can have a mobile phone holder and cup holders and everything else. And the lady qualified me and said, would you like to take it for a, a test push? I don't know, I can't remember what she said. But it test drive doesn't make much sense. But well, I pushed it yeah, round. Yeah, I and they said, do you want to see how it handles? Yes. Well, I asked her, will it drift? And she didn't really understand what I mean, so I, no. I what I meant, so I just uh, sort of span around in the circle. No, not as well as a trolley, I've found. No, no, absolutely not. And I put it in the back of my actual car, and then just like that, I bought one straight off of the lot. <laughs> uh, and you know, you sign up and everything else, and it comes with a three-year manufacturer's warranty. It doesn't start to the baby's born, which is quite cool. That's it's a good one. It's not cool at all. Just sensible. I notice you've steered me away from Formula One. There is there a reason for that? No, I mean, there's absolutely no reason at all for steering away from Formula One, except for the fact this brings me neatly back onto Formula One, that I was making the noises whilst I was pushing the pram around. Oh, the meow, yes. meow, meow. I hope he turns up at a few more Grand Prix, that guy, next year. He, he needs to be given a season pass, that guy, yeah. without a doubt. With or without a pram. It's not me. I just want to <laughs> <laughs> it's I, the sort of thing you'd do. It's yeah. 100% the kind of thing that I would do. Uh, no, but we've got, some, uh, we've got some car launches coming up, so... We'll um, we'll be sticking pictures of those up on the website, probably, maybe when they uh, as and when they get launched. We'll, and unquestionably, all sort we'll of mid February onwards, I think. Uh, unquestionably, we'll end up prattling on about them for a bit, and I'm sure we'll see some really exciting things coming out um, of Geneva, and some probably not very exciting things coming out of Geneva. More pointless SUVs, frankly, <laughs> um, because let's face it, that's what everyone needs and wants right now. Well, do they or don't they? But uh, well, flicking through the. The real numbers of what people are actually buying is all in good, the manufacturers are making it, but what do people actually buy? We've had January's uh, SMMT, which is the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders. I'm sure you all it's knew exciting. that. It just yeah. rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, no surprise, really. Uh, diesel sales down a hell of a lot, down 20% actually, which is 
but it's it's a big number down twelve thousand odd units in uh, in January. And by unit we mean car. Yes. This sounds. But like we are this. in the trade, so we say unit. E- effectively, this is the Financial Times of car registrations right now. Alternative fuel vehicles, well, up, up a large percentage, twenty six percent, but only a few thousand. Tax units. dodge. It, it was eight thousand seven hundred January last year. It's eleven thousand this year. So that's that's a jump. It is a, a hell number. of a jump, and and people are moving towards it. But having said that, petrol powered vehicles were were up some. Nearly 8,000 units, so they were up more. So more people, and proportionally more people, are still buying petrol uh, as opposed to electric or hybrid or anything else. So what you can take from that fade-in and fade-out is that diesels, no. (laughs) If you want to buy something that dodges company car tax, buy an alternative fuel vehicle. Otherwise, petrols are just better generally because diesels are... Unless you're doing a lot of miles, in which case they are pretty good, or it's a big Cummings engine or something. What do we need for, for an electric car to be properly, properly mainstream? It just needs to be the same price as its petrol-powered equivalent. Yes, that's it. With a 300-and-something mile range. Yeah. And again, and yes, it's really important these days. We find ourselves talking about electric cars, but effectively what we need is a Model T of electric cars. So if they suddenly decided to punt out an electric Focus at the same price as a petrol Focus, for example, or electric Golf, same price as petrol Golf, and so on and so forth, equivalent models, Hmm. I think people would start to split in the way that you saw a petrol-diesel split. I think actually, for most people, especially if it's a second car, range anxiety is not so much of an issue. No. You'll see more of them. Um, Volvo did very well. The XC40, which is a brilliant little crossover, Slash, well, I say it's a crossover. I don't really like crossovers, as you know, but it's a proper 4x4. It's a small 4x4, and they've actually made it and made it work. But they have something ridiculous like an 80% spike in their sales. Um, uh, yeah, but again, all relative. It was uh, 2,200 last year, Yeah, 4,000 this year. So only 1,800 units more. It's still an increase, and it's still nigh on double, so it's that's not bad in the current climate. Breaking news, larger numbers are more. It does uh, It does paint a picture. Percentages uh, are always skewed if they're smaller. But, I mean, you look at Ford, let's say, 16% down, but they are massively down unit-wise, nearly nearly 4,000 units down on, um, on last year, which is a, a hell of a chunk. Improvise, adapt, overcome. That's the one. Other sayings. Uh, and, of course... Audi have got a problem because you can't currently buy one. Uh, no, although VW seem to have got over their issues as they uh, they sold more cars. What have VW got to do to sell fewer cars? Probably abuse monkeys. No, they didn't abuse them. No, they've done that. They didn't abuse them, did they? That's something else. Well, they were founded by Nazis. That hasn't stopped them. Lied about all their figures. That hasn't stopped them. Um, Killed and, monkeys, that doesn't stop them. And part of the reason why we're stuck in this mess and WLTP and everything else is because people want accurate fuel economy. The Germans are being mean to us during Brexit. People in this country are still buying them. Yes. Um, and you couldn't buy a Volkswagen for a long period of time because they had to fit these weird particle traps that takes away 10 brake horsepower. Yeah, they couldn't get the emissions right, which is odd. No, I can't but, understand that. For some reason, people are, people are still buying them. More, yes. more people bought a uh, Volkswagen than a Vauxhall. Well, that's easy. That's probably sensible, to be fair. Let's be honest. On the other hand, I've seen an advert, a plug here for Vauxhall, for the Vauxhall Griffin, which says you can go out and you can buy a Griffin, which has got everything as standard. I'm pretty sure you can do that with all of the manufacturers. You just buy the top spec one. Yes, that's it. That's is it. it a limited edition, though? It's got to be. 
Maybe it won't be a limited edition, which will make it rarer than I'm, the limited edition. I'm editions. sure. Yeah, useful consumer advice for you here. If you decide you want a car with all the bits on it, go to the dealership and say, I want a car with all the bits on it and buy that one. Buy the top spec one. Don't necessarily buy a Corsa Griffin because it came out in 2006 and it hasn't changed much since. And they also depreciate like a stone. If you want to buy a used car, buy a used Vauxhall limited edition Corsa. Actually, would be relatively cheap and not a bad car. So at that point, probably a reasonable proposition. Yeah. However, we have therefore just killed Vauxhall because they need to make new ones than to be used ones. What's it, single-handedly? They did come up with some pretty pretty good ideas. They had heated steering wheels really early on. That is a great idea. That, that is, is a great idea. idea. I remember having to have a Vauxhall-shaped bum to be able to drive it. The SRI, what you call it, 1.6 or 1... But they were 1.6 turbo. No, VXR ones. That's yes. what I'm after. They are good fun. Although it feels like a relatively modern engine in an old car, which is odd. It makes it feel... You have to pay attention to it. It makes you feel like there's lots going on. Jeopardy. That's That's good. the one. Yes. Mm. It always makes you feel like you're about to die, and that's exciting. Mm. Volvo are aiming at making just electric cars, which I think is slightly sad, because they only make four pots these days. Four cylinders. I used to like the, five, the Volvo five pot. That was a nice engine. Yeah. Thirsty as hell, but a nice engine. Yeah. And some people, some manufacturers are saying they definitely don't want to put electric engines in things, which is good. I think there's, when you have compromises, I say compromises, I mean things like the McLaren P1, which is, well, it uses it for power. <laughs> or you have something you know, from Porsche or Ferrari. I don't think they necessarily do that for the environmental street cred. I do wonder if we're going to find ourselves with an issue here where manufacturers, to hit some sort of target, are going to have to produce some really boring humdrum electric cars. Well, isn't that why Aston Martin had the Signet? Yes. Which was a Toyota... Was IQ. It an IQ? Ridiculously expensive that, IQ. Yeah, they just painted, stuck some seats and a bit more leather yep. in it and charged £11 million for it. And they sold out instantly. Yes, it was odd that. But then Ford tried doing the same thing with the Mondeo and calling it a Vignale. They and did nobody the wrong bought way round. <laughs> what would you expect? It, it, they've done it backwards there. It, I think it's quite interesting to take something that's cheaper and make it posh. And Rolls-Royce did this. Hmm. They did... Um, I'm sure it was Rolls-Royce. They did a Mini, uh, and they did their own version of that. That was really plush and ridiculously expensive. Ah, uh, yes. yeah. But will probably be quite collectible, actually. Hmm. All manufacturers do have, a, uh, do have emissions targets to hit, but... Aston Martin don't seem to do a Signet anymore, so whether they got an exemption or sold a few enough cars that they dropped under the threshold to have to do it or not, I'm not too sure. But mm, I saw an Aston Martin DBS at a local Aston Martin dealer the other day, and it was all made of bits of carbon fibre. Ooh, I like the sound of that. And it was beautiful. And it was one of those cars, and we've said it before, that you know, it, regardless of whether you should or shouldn't, you feel like leaving a deposit on it. Really lovely car. I was I was pricing up loans to go and buy an Aerial Atom the other day. Although well, I checked, there's I checked, a surprise. I checked my credit score, and although my credit score is uh, is still rather good after I got a mortgage, my my affordability of any more credit is very 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 weak indeed, as it indicates I'm I'm mortgaged sideways, backwards, and any other which way. Mm. So I might have to put that on hold for a couple of years. And if you're interested in alternatives to Aerial Atoms, just have a look at the last podcast where we gave you some. Particularly useful advice. I've just realised that we haven't talked about the things we're looking forward to this year in terms of events that we're going to. 
because we get to go to some pretty cool places and see some quite interesting things. And there's a fair bit on the UK Motor Talk radar, I would say, right now. We've got Valentine's Day, and, and that weekend, there's a classic car show for historic motorsport at the Excel. We've got Race Retro coming up about the same sort of time. Geneva, obviously. Brooklyn's Mini Day. This is probably right up your alley, isn't it? Mm. And I like Brooklyn's a lot because there's a lot of history there, but I always go with a slight tinge of sadness as they've been dismantled, basically, <laughs> and there's not very much left. What I'm really looking forward to, and I'm guessing what you're really looking forward to as well, is the BTCC launch. Well, there's lots of the seasons seem to be getting longer and longer and longer. The, well, the World Rally has started already, but that traditionally always starts in, uh, in January anyway and just seems to have longer gaps in between the races. Uh, all that happens with rallying is wherever you go, unless you're in a hot country, in this country, wherever you go and watch rallying, it's always cold and usually wet. Uh, yes, but that's, that's half the fun of watching rallying, isn't it? Because that, that leads to uh, lively moments in the it, cars. The last time I went and watched the cars blatting out around the Great Orme in North Wales, I saw one of the portaloos blow over. What, from the force of one of the cars? Or? No. <laughs> or, and indeed not from the force of one of the inhabitants, but how, how much would that ruin your day if you got to watch the rally? Without a shadow of a doubt. That would be awful. Uh, no, BTCC, looking forward to that massively. Not too many all-new cars for this year. They'll just be developments of the of cars from, from last year and the year before, mm. etc., but with the rules just tweaked slightly to uh, to bring them all a, a little bit closer together. And lots of new teams had new cars and new drivers had new cars, maybe a bit more stability this year, so everybody getting their heads around the cars a bit better, so even closer racing, if that's even possible. I think normally on a British touring car grid, first to 15th is covered by less than a second, so it doesn't get much closer than that. But Yet they do try and, or they, they seem to be now trying to preserve their cars a little better, because I don't think it's the big money game that it used to be. I th- it's, they're expensive cars to build, and they're easy cars to wreck, mm. and it makes for great viewing. I'm really looking forward, actually, to catching up with Chris Smiley again. It would be great to, to have a chat with him in the garages, on the grid... And, and see how he's getting on because we yeah, caught up we, with him last year. And yeah, that, after getting the um, with the Norlin team, so they're into what their third year now. Mm, yeah, touring yeah. cars, but this this will be their second year of uh, running the Civics. It got them a couple of wins last year, one for Dan and one for Chris himself as well. So they they seem to be just gathering pace and and mm. gathering consistency. He's finding as, his feet as now, the year I think, went on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I think the the first year with the uh, with the crews was a bit tricky. Mm. Um, but the, uh, the Civic is obviously a bit of a step up, and now they're getting their head around it. I think they, they could be ones to watch. I'll be honest, I've not driven a Chevrolet where I thought, mm, this is acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> they have all been dreadful. It's, it's so, odd, when you look at the prep that goes into it, how much yeah. of it is actually a Chevrolet? Not, oh, a, not it, a lot. It's just, <laughs> it's just a body, isn't it? Really, when it, when it comes down to it, the cars still look the most like their road-going counterparts. Yeah, so there's, there's there's things like the the headlights and the the approximate shape of them, etc. Bonnet and I think they're pretty bumpers close. and doors. They're, they're they're fairly spot on, rather more than the American series where they're all sort of stickers, aren't they? It's got a sticker of a picture of what the headlights kind of look like, and and they slap yeah, that on the front and and call it a fusion. Or the Chevrolet equivalent, which is presumably something. I, mean, I don't think that anyone's really noticed or cared that Chevrolet have disappeared out of the UK market. Can you even buy 
Chryslers anymore. I assume you can. You can buy Jeeps and such. Man looks up thing on the internet. Well, I found a Jeep dealer. Same group. Fiat and Chrysler are still interlinked somehow, aren't they? Ah, top story. What does Chrysler leaving the UK mean for their owners and cars? Uh, no, that one passed us by, so no, you can't buy a Chrysler in this country. <laughs> uh, it turns out that no one really missed those either, because that happened in 2015 and none of us noticed. Uh, and again, uh, although the three, not the 300C, the, the one, yes, yeah, so the 300C, the one that looked like a Bentley, was okay to look at and was based on an E-Class estate, the Voyager was synonymous with middle-class middle that, families. That, that gave rise to... The Zephira, the S-Max, Galaxy, yeah. bits and pieces. Or it, it made cars like that appear, I'm sure. When was the Galaxy out? Was that before the Voyager? Galaxy came out in... This 19... is the, the full Galaxy with a Y as opposed to the Galaxy. Yes. Much earlier. Galaxy would have been early 90s, mid-90s probably. Mark uh, 1 Galaxy. Yeah. Because so it was the same as the Volkswagen Chiran and the Seat Alhambra. Alhambra. Everyone that owned a, a, a Chrysler Voyager now owns an S-Max a Galaxy or actually just doesn't bother and has a 4x4 crossover or something or other. Mm. Oh, I yeah, when was the Espace out? That had the amazing uh, wing mirrors and the, the vents on the wing mirrors, didn't it? Because you, your wing mirrors need cooling. And one-spoke no alloys. That was it. The, well, that was the, that was the second one because there was one before that was really boxy. I kind of like them in a weird dad kind of way. I don't know. There's something... Something about the Espace with being able to see all the way around you and the funky climate control buttons that actually was quite good. But like every Renault at four years old, it falls to bits. Yes, uh, but they did. Uh, they did try and move that kind of proposition into a brand new segment by making it very, very posh, putting very nice leather inside mm. it, etc. And, and they gave us the Avon time, which was, and I think oh, the Velsatis was it the Velsatis as well. And I think they, they sold one of each and then. Pretty much went out of business in this country. I can't remember which one of the two was the two-door job. Was that the Aventine? Yeah, the, the, the Aventine. Man looks up thing on internet. That that was the uh, the yes. Aventine. That was a, a two-door... People carrier. People carrier type looking thing. Again, with some completely and utterly pointless vents carved into it. Um, I was quite convinced that nobody bought one of those. I don't think they sold a single. I How, think they made they made all the dealers register one as a demo. And then however, someone right around the corner where I used to work had one, and they are a beast. It's not a pretty car, but you've got to say it doesn't look like anything else on the road. I guess the other thing about the Espace is they did stick a Formula One engine in one. See, that's an Espace that I'd buy. That would be all right. That, that's that's a people carrier I could uh, I'd quite happily drive. So it's weird they didn't catch on. Because hmm. actually, if they made production versions of that, yeah. I think there was only one seat, though, wasn't it? Cause it was literally the the entire bit, and they just moved the seating position a bit. Mm. Of course, now Renault are back in Formula One. You think they'd be cool for them to have another Espace, but you can't buy the Espace in the UK, so that'd be entirely pointless. And undoubtedly, they'd have to stick a Formula One engine in. Actually, they, what they could do, because they did an F1 Twizy, yeah. electric, they could do a Formula E new Renault, something or other. That would make far more sense, but I don't know, for, just from a casual observer point of view, I don't think Renault seem to make too much marketing out of their, their involvement with Formula One. It's not plastered everywhere, it's not... Used to be. You, know, you, you look at what Subaru did 
um, mm. with their marketing in the, the early 90s. Is it possible to Every buy... time he went in a showroom, it was World Rally plastered everywhere, and that's what helped them. In Is the it possible to buy a Subaru Prezza from the years of whatever it was, 1995 till the mid-2000s, in a colour other than blue with gold wheels? No, it's also against the law. I thought it might be. <laughs> yep. I wonder if that no, would stop again, after is Brexit. It, is that... that I... <laughs> It makes that that iconic, you know, Colin McRae and Richard Burns and and all those sort mm. of people driving that car, just the blue with the gold wheels. It made it so iconic that that actually there was no other choice, and nobody yeah. wanted anything else. Entirely agree. Um, but yeah, you, you look at the Renault, flick around on the Renault website, and there's there's no mention of it hardly anywhere. There doesn't seem to be any F1 special models, you know, nothing like that. I said what. I do have something to add on Renault. They've released a new Clio, which broadly looks the same on the outside as it, as it did before, but the inside is, is quite incredible. They've gone a bit uh, Tesla-esque with the big screen, and I know that everyone's doing it these days, but the inside of the, the new car looks looks pretty damn good. Yeah, the outside's not massively dissimilar to the old one. It seems to have got some very weird headlights on it. That We've, mascara's run a little bit around the side of it. The outside does look... Pretty much exactly the same. Again, still not bad looking. It's aged relatively well, I think. It has got multicoloured diamond cut alloys, though. You'd be pleased to know. Oh, here we go. Of course it does. And the, yeah, the interior, although the uh, the big screen in there seems to be more portrait than uh, than landscape. Not quite sure why. As you say, Tesla's yeah. screen is portrait. Tesla, Lots of other manufacturers, Volvo, it seems to be landscape, doesn't it? McLaren. There are a few that uh, have gone that way. Um but we've gone, we've spoken about this before. Touch screens in cars, fine. Lack of buttons, just naive. It does still seem to have heater controls. Good. Proper heater controls underneath. Because so that's it's, good. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, you do have to have that level of, of maturity about what you actually need in a car. Because it's not practical to turn the headlamps on and off by touching a screen. It's just not. I think the safest thing for us to do is reserve judgment on the new Clio until such time as we realise that the interior quality it looks great but the quality needs to be good because if it's just creaky tinny scratchy plastic it'll be no good it'll be no good at all if it's as good as it looks that could be a cracking car and possibly the best in its class for in terms of its interior better than the fiesta i would say so Mm. looking at it it looks great it looks great Mm. whether it is great who knows who knows i think actually at the moment volkswagen pretty decent for its um interior the little polo is very very good hmm. even if the car itself looks a bit frumpy now they've made it too big like they did with the mini uh, well it's the same with all manufacturers isn't it the, the cars get bigger and bigger and bigger then they then introduce a smaller model in fact i think the latest ka is an old shape fiesta underneath so mm-hmm. yeah it's as big as an old fiesta was so they'll introduce another smaller model below the ka the ka will be fiesta size and off you go well let's see how the new mini is received when we we get to see it um, in the metal, with all the other cars at Brooklyn. I mean, obviously we've seen the Mini before. Everyone's there's Mini everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. But it'd be interesting to see what the crowds are drawn to. Whether it's the classic, whether it's the early ones or the new Minis, which seem to be accepted more as classics now. Whether the new ones get any interest at all. Well, they've been around for long enough. What's the the BMW Mini or the the Y Reg two thousand and one? That's when they came out. Okay, eighteen years. Ago. Yeah, I mean the, the early ones, the Y Reg ones, come collectible in their own right now. And of course, it goes without saying, we'll be at Goodwood. Oh, yes. But you've got to be, haven't you? <laughs> Possibly 
the motoring event of the year or motoring events of the year now. There's nowhere else you can really have that same sort of experience this side of the pond. No, it'll be interesting to see how many of the manufacturers are out in force, particularly at Festival of Speed. Is that that had almost well, it had become the British Motor Show. I think there were a few absences last year, in particular the the German manufacturers as they were in trouble for not doing their numbers properly. Probably doesn't look good, does it? No. The optics aren't great. No, definitely not. Yeah. But uh, no, there's there's still plenty of manufacturers out in force. So with a bit of luck, the uh, the Germans will have a bit more budget and come back to it this year. There is still a London Motor Show, and let's hope that continues because I think there's a bit of a sour taste about the motor industry generally at the moment. On the note of Goodwood, there are a few places where you still get to see some proper racing, and they they do race properly at Goodwood Revival. Some well, priceless, no other words for it, priceless cars really. Um, Silverstone Classic is of course another one really becoming popular in recent years, and there's a bit of everything there, isn't there? So you've got historic Formula One, sports cars, GT cars, and perhaps more excitingly for you and I, touring cars and super touring cars. They do. They've uh, yeah. They've got some uh, some early, mid, and late nineties to go. Well, they've got plenty of stuff previous to the nineties as well. But the um, yeah, mid mid nineties touring cars are particularly exciting. Here's a question for you. So this is obviously more recent in, than revivalist in terms of the cars you get to have there. Cars that are genuinely classic. Because I think anything from the eighties really is is retro slash classic depending on the car when it was built. So if you think like E30s and all that kind of thing that were flying around at the time against the, the RS500 Cosworths, does this mean that you have to go dressed in period, which means I'm basically going to have to go dressed in Adidas poppers? Uh, Mid-90s, yeah, Adidas poppers or... What was that sort of stretchy, spandexy type shirts that shell, were Shell suits type things. That was more early 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. You could get away with that. When they start putting naughty cars, are people going to go in fleeces? <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened to the humble fleece? Massively popular, now I, disappeared. I still like a fleece to do the decorating in. It's fine. Mm, uh, working on the car, it's good. Mm. Not very good when you're welding. Turns out melts. And uh, of course, uh, do pop along even if you even if cars aren't completely and utterly your thing. There's uh, plenty of other bits and pieces going on. Fun for the whole family. There's. Um... Let's face it. At this point, if you don't like cars, it's absolutely pointless. Yeah, you're yeah, popping it's, along. It's, it's a bit <laughs> odd that you're listening. So. Uh, even if you can, uh, if you can persuade the family to come along, even if the rest of the family aren't as uh, into cars as you are, there's a bit of live music going on, and there's little family areas and things for the kids to see and do. So it's a good day out for everyone, not just for the uh, for the motoring enthusiast of the family. Yes. Pop along for the music. Pop along. Ah, you like what you're doing there? That's a wrap. Now, I can't think of anything more romantic on Valentine's Day than cars. Nothing says I love you like a, well, an exhaust system or race cams. Well, I was flicking through, I'm debating whether to buy the wife a, uh, a car-themed Valentine's card or not. I think you should. Uh, no, I, th- I think so. I was having a, a little flick around uh, WTF1 and they've got some, uh, some such Valentine's cards. Oh, that's, that's just brilliant. Formula One car. Kiss me like your favourite apex. There's uh, another one featuring the uh, the image of Roman Grosjean, and mm. the uh, the caption on it says, "Let's get romantic." Oh. Just, it, I think that's just guaranteed to uh, to leave the missus happy, isn't it? To be fair, I I think. In fact, I challenge you to go with one of these. Oh, there's, uh, there's there's a very subtle one here, of course. You make me tired. Well, it's a stack of four tyres, but 
they're white marked tyres. Which in the Pirelli range of Formula 1 tyres, they have compounds ranging from ultra soft, super soft, soft, medium and... Hard. There we go. Yeah, we, I'm just interested to explain it for you guys, really, because that's uh, that's that's very specific. And then uh, there's there's another one here which says "You make me," and it has four tires on it. So these tires are different to the other tires. I'm hoping it's not soft. No. You make me but wet compound. Wet indeed. There we go. Those are the but those are the full wets as opposed to the intermediate. So you make me full wet. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> right? Just, honestly, don't do that. Um, I, I challenge you to buy one of these for your wife, and I want to hear next time round how you got on. Other things I've been sent for Valentine's Day that are car-themed, number plates. Now, I actually bought my wife a number plate, which I'm not going to tell you on, on, on the podcast, so that's a terrible, terrible idea, for our first anniversary, which she absolutely loved. But I'm not entirely sure that these are going to be the right answers. So you can have Des 12E, which is fantastic if your partner's called Des, or if you really want to make it, say, Desire. Lovies, L-O-V-1-3-S. Would you like to know how much these number plates are? Go on, then. £6,000. Wow. And bearing in mind that it is a bit cheesy, and perhaps a little bit niche, and it doesn't actually have your partner's name on them, that's a lot of money to spend on Valentine's Day, isn't it? It is. I think I could spend £6,000 in many different ways. A holiday away, maybe. That would be, that'd be quite nice. Although, don't book anything for after Brexit, because of course we won't be able to get out of the country. Oh, that's fine. We should get a British hovercraft, sail to the Isle of Wight, and then from the Isle of Wight onwards to France. Now, another other motoring-related Brexit news. I want to hear this week. We, as British driving licence holders, we will need a permit to drive abroad. Excellent. Not a massive deal. I think you just pop down the, the post office with your driving licence and I think it costs about a fiver and they give you a bit of paper so you can drive in Europe. Uh, but the British government will not be applying the same rule to EU nationals. So the, the strong recommendation for all the European nationals living in this country who had traded their European driving licence in for a British driving licence, just trade it back again because then you'll be able to carry on driving anywhere. That belongs in the Brexit segment. <laughs> um, other Valentine's Day related gifts. I have noticed on your desk, because we're currently sat by your desk, that you have these incredibly long, firm, well, it's got a decent handle on it, brushes. There's no other word for it. Yes. Um, and that made me think that maybe uh, car cleaning equipment might be the way the, to uh, go. The brushes are wheel, alloy wheel cleaning brushes as opposed to anything else. Uh, yes, I mean, it does look like you could clean well, one something is right out with that. One is softer than the Listen other. Listen to that noise. Mmm, yellow wheel brushes. It, it does amaze me that, that manufacturers don't come up with Valentine's romantic ranges. You know, his and hers coats from Mitsubishi. <laughs> uh, I think it's got to be there, you know. Couples toys from Toyota. Glad you finished that with Toyota there. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And speaking of finishing that, I think it's probably time we finish that before it gets any worse. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. We'll speak to you after Valentine's Day. <laughs> we, we will find out how Jim got on with his car-themed Valentine's card because I really want to know how he gets on with it. And, yeah, you can't back out now. <laughs> Oh, I've just thought. <laughs> 
could could I do my own card? Because one Formula One driver that my wife does know, and she always gives us an answer on pointless or question of sport or anything like that, is Berger. Gear hard Berger. Definitely. I think I can do something with this. <laughs> UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.